Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. You'd be hard-pressed to find a pastime more emblematic of the Western spirit than fly fishing. Liberating, poetic, wild, soothing, and inspiring, it pushes the boundaries of the mind. In essays ranging from introspective to ironic, angler authors Chad Van Zatten and Russ Beck distill the purest truths of fly fishing into essential, often humorous, rules of thumb, uh, like always tell the truth sometimes, and all fish are underwater. And we wade into blue ribbon waters of Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, and Utah to reflect metaphysically on these lines of practical wisdom. We're talking about fly fishing and more. The book is on fly fishing uh, the northern Rockies. And uh, we bring in uh, Chad Van Zatten, whose essays in fly fishing appear in the online fly fishing journal Eat, Sleep, Fish, and in the History Press anthology Utah Reflections. His short fiction fiction can be found in Between Places, an anthology of poetry and prose by LUW Press. He lives in Logan, where he works as a professional editor. When he's not writing, he's fishing. The opposite is also true. Chad Van Zatten, welcome to the program. Thanks, Tom. So is this true? You're, you're either working or fly fishing? Uh, no, that's not true at okay. all. Okay. <laughs> I'm just working. They're, they're, you're just working. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, I did notice in the book, though, you, you go in the wintertime, too. We'll oh, yeah, yeah. That. We fish all through the year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I hadn't realized that. Uh, we bring in Russ Beck as well. He received the Frederick Manford Award for Creative Writing from Western Literature Association. He edits and contributes to both uh, HowSmallAtrout.wordpress.com and BraidedBrook.com. He teaches writing at Utah State University. Welcome to the program. Thank you. I appreciate it. So these uh, sites, they're, I guess, fly fishermen would know these sites. And the one, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, How Small a Trout is actually uh, Chad and I's shared blog. Which oh, okay, is great. Pretty much where the book started. Uh, a lot of the essays can be found in utero or in embryo there. Right. Uh, uh, and then they changed by the time they got to the book. So. All right. And we bring in as well uh, Tim King, who is... Uh, Long-time UPR listener and supporter. People yes, might r- recognize your voice, Thanks, and uh, you work at uh, Orbital ATK, and you're an avid fly fisherman, I guess. And I am, yes. Tie, and you, you have, I described this in front of me, uh, you have the gear set up uh, to be tying some flies as we speak. Yes, and Tom, this relates to our hooks and books presentations that we've been doing uh, across the Intermountain West Uh we can talk more about that later, but uh, I've teamed up with Chad and Russ to help promote the release of this book. So it's it's, it's a fun uh, venture that uh, I think Chad will wax on eloquently. As well. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so describe briefly the, the apparatus you have in front of you. Well, uh, for those of you familiar with fly tying, I've got a, uh, a vise set up with a hook mounted in the vise, uh, assorted materials, to uh, tie a trout fly. As, as we do our hooks and books presentations, uh, the fly that I'm tying is tied into the, the story that Russ and Chad are reading. Mm. And it's projected up onto a, a big screen. Uh, as they read, I tie the fly. And uh, theoretically, we end at the same time, although that's happened exactly once. But it's, right. it's a, a fun, a fun right. uh, exhibit. Yeah. We, call, we call it interpretive flying, uh, okay. fly tying. And, and it's, to our knowledge, it's the, the first and only uh, uh, 
performance of, of this art form. We created the art form, and we are the only practitioners. We are the <laughs> we are the Louis Armstrongs of interpretive you, fly tying. You get to define the terms. That's right. Yeah. And, Tom, the nice thing about interpretive fly tying is uh, nobody can tell you you're doing it wrong. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, so... Uh, what kinds of audiences do you get to, to these presentations? Is it mostly really, really is it, tiny? Is it, is it insider? Very tiny audiences. Very <laughs> okay. small yeah. select okay. audiences. No, it's we we we've done a couple of the performances here in the valley, and um, and people we do have a lot of fly anglers who who attend, but there are also people who aren't interested at all in fly angling, and inevitably a couple of them come up and they say. Um, they say, Chad, the reading was really good. That fly tying mm-hmm. was very interesting, really good. And I, and I say something like, yeah, well, the book's been really fun. They're like, yeah, 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 but that fly tying <laughs> thing was fascinating. We really enjoyed that. Tim's so, the real attraction, that's what you're yeah. saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially we've we've admitted radio. that from the beginning. Right. right. So, uh, Russ, I want to have you read a, a passage from, I believe this is the first essay in, in the book, Your Entry into This World. Sure. And, and then I want to talk about <clears throat> what, what this means, perceptions of uh, fly fishing. Okay, sure. So just start right at the beginning of the yes, session. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> Pardon. I nearly bailed the first time Chad invited me to fly fish with him. I told him I had a cold, but he guilted me into it anyway. You know, I don't mind going on my own. If you've got a cold, that's cool, but I was looking forward to going with someone, uh, Chad said. I did have an inkling of a cold, a tickle in the back of the back of my throat. But the real reason I didn't want to go fly fishing was because I had never been before. Sure, I had spin-fished for a large chunk of my life, but my fly-fishing skills were non-existent. I practiced casting on my back lawn for hours, but I figured making the fly line snap was a good thing. I thought making the leader fray only happened when you used a lot of power. I knew enough to know that I didn't know anything. But I went. I met him at Second Dam on the Logan River on an early November afternoon. Paul couldn't decide if it was staying or leaving. The leaves, dark brown or gone, hung above the clear and low water. We started at the reservoir casting to fish that rose to midges. I decided my best bet was to pretend that I knew what I was doing. Do, should I continue? Or no, that's, that's okay. good. Uh, so you, you, you go along. It, it is kind of funny. We, this is human nature, isn't it? Yeah. That uh, I'm sure Chad would have been fine if you'd have said, uh, I know nothing. I should have. In, in right. retrospect, that's what I should have said, you know, because <laughs> uh, uh, it was pretty obvious pretty quickly, I assume, mm-hmm. that yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. So. So I guess why the, the question I'm trying to get into here is what what is it? What is it about fly fishing? This is it seems to be an addictive world to those who get into it. And you know you could make analogies to you know a lot of other things. Tennis for me, you know, which is which I which I love and and uh, need to get back to. But to just just trying to improve, trying to get better. That's one of the attractions for me to out getting out and having fun. But what what is it about fly fishing? Well, we wrote we wrote this book, and and um, we're still unable to sort of <laughs> yeah. figure it out. So I, I'm not I'm not sure we're ever going to get there. But um, it, it it is it's a you know it's 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 that thing in your life that for whatever reason um, you know kind of captures your your uh, your attention and, and you get absorbed and and uh, yeah sometimes it's kind of hard to uh, to remember why you loved it at, at the beginning, but. Something, yeah. it's, it's, when you were horrible, I can't believe that's right. that you, you kept on going. You know, like I, that's I, right. I, if you can get over that hump of being horrible, I think it can become all-absorbing. So, And it's iconic, right? You, you know, oh, people, yeah. Everybody knows the river runs through it, and uh, it's uh, something that uh, connects people's mind who don't even go fly fishing. 
this kind of connects to, uh, you know, something iconically Western. Well, one of the things that that um, that I love about fly fishing is that it renews itself. You know, when you're when you start, you're you're trying to learn how to do it at all. You're trying to just you know to catch fish, and as you go along, you um, you know you find a new technique or you find a new fly that you can use. You find a new place, a new fishing friend, and and it just constantly renews itself. It becomes something that you can start again all the time. And Tom, there's so many facets to the sport as well. You can be distracted by the entomology, by the fly tying, by rod building, by yeah. actually fishing and catching fish, which I do, uh, contrary to some of my friends' uh, <laughs> opinion. But uh, it's like throwing a stone in the water and seeing the ripples going out there it leads into so many different aspects. Mm. And some some fly fishermen get really into entomology, right? Absolutely. Um, and this, Something you this, know. this is where I'll do my little joke that never gets laughs at parties. <laughs> um, uh, uh, entomology. Oh, I love words. Right. The similarity between entomology and etymology. Right. And it's it's not getting laughs right now. No. So <laughs> it's just, but it, it amuses myself, and so that's that's half the point. Tom, that's why we're here. <laughs> that's, that's why we're <laughs> to amuse me. Thank you very much. Um, I wonder, uh, Chad, if you could uh, read a passage here. I've yeah. got it. Uh, it's uh, page 105. And this gets into... Um, this gets into what fly fishing is about, at least. Uh, so at the middle of uh, page 105, um, when we finish up, let me read from there at the bottom. Right, yeah. This this essay has to do with, uh, it starts out, we're, uh, we're, we're teaching some kids how to uh, how to fly fish at a fly fishing camp. And, and at the end of the camp, um, this passage is, uh, is, is where it picks up. It says, uh, when we finish up, there's marabou all over everybody, everything and everybody. The kids clean up kind of, and I shoo them on to the next class. Everywhere they go, we tell them to keep things tight, tight threads, tight loops, tight lines. That's because at the center of fly fishing, you will find only tension, harnessed and modulated, then applied. A fly is little more than a moment of time wrapped into a tight and complicated knot. The cast is a nylon line drawn taut by energy stored for a split second in a fly rod. Tension between molecules bears the fly up on the surface of the water and carries it downstream to the trout. And the angler who does not understand the importance of maintaining tension on the line after the trout takes the fly is not yet an angler. So uh, I had the impression that this gentleman had that uh, fly fishing would be relaxing and you could clear your mind. And was not the case? No, no. Do you want me to keep? Yeah, yeah go ahead. <laughs> okay. My neighbor Rick once asked me, so, you're into fly fishing? I shrug. That's certainly one way of putting it. <laughs> I've always wanted to try it. Is it relaxing? It looks relaxing. No, I answer. Not really. Oh, he says. Then he looks at the ground. It's true. Fly fishing is about tension, not slack. Yeah. So, tell me about that. Well, there's just so much to do. There's, there's, unlike sitting in a chair and fishing, say, with a worm, which, which is, you know, can be awfully fun. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, it's more of an active, um, fly fishing is very active. You're walking and you're watching and you're looking and searching and, and then you're, the casting involves, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of motion and movement. Um, there's fly selection, um, you know, there's, and, and, and then there's, you know, enjoying the surroundings too. And, and so your mind gets full 
of of considerations and um and, and i think it's after you're done fly fishing that your mind empties and then you can start to organize things again it's probably a lot like like tennis you know yeah. there's a lot you know there's right you know I, I don't know there's probably hundreds of things going on at any given time right right uh including uh, uh i get a lot of my information from films so there's, there's a, <laughs> one of my favorite films is libel lady I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's a great screwball comedy from the 1930s. So the gentleman's getting into fly fishing, gets all the gear, and he, he looks like a you know duded up new fly fisherman. He'd probably get laughed off the river by the by the old old timers. But he's uh, being taught a, a good backhand motion is what you want, like in tennis. I don't, mm-hmm. know, if, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any analogies at all. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, there's 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 a technique that you do. You get it in your in your muscle memory and stuff. But even so, you you kind of get focused, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure yeah. it's like you know it's like that with every sport. You, yeah, you have to go in, into kind of a zone and stuff. And and it's not you're not just you're not just slacking out and cashing out. You're you're you know you're active. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, you kind of take a breath, and that's where the relaxation mm-hmm. comes from. I think. No, but Russ, but part of this, and Tim, you could chime in here. Has got to be that uh, you know the office of a fly fisherman is is in some pretty spectacular places. Uh, yeah. A big part of this has got got to be getting out into nature. Absolutely, yeah. What was Robert Travers' quote? Uh, I fish as much to enjoy the beautiful places it takes me. I've just butchered that quote, but uh, <laughs> an old author from uh, Michigan. Um, yeah, but yeah, you nailed it. It's it's glorious. Uh, uh, setting outdoors, mm. even in the middle of winter, maybe not. You guys, maybe not as glorious. No, but I still, think, I think it can be. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, there's there are you know really spectacular things that happen to a river when it gets really cold, mm. and um, and you know being out there, there's a solitude too. You know, there's fewer cars, there's fewer people, there's just you know, it, it, there's a stillness. Yeah, it, it can be really fun, but. It's really cold, uh, especially when you're in the water. <laughs> Tell me about it. I want to follow up on this. Is, is there's some, you say, spectacular things that happen to a river when it mm-hmm. freezes in the wintertime. Tell me about that. Well, for example, there um, – and, and I think there's a passage in the book about this. But um, one thing that happens uh, along the banks where there are willows, some of the willow branches dip into the water. And and you'll notice this if you're walking up a river. There, there are branches that dip into the water and they kind of move and brush into the water and out. And as – when it's cold, they'll pick up a little water and freeze and pick up a little water and freeze. And pretty soon you have this almost Christmas ornament-like bell on the end of the willow branches that is made of just utterly pure, clear water uh, dangling just a, a few inches from the, the, the surface of the water. Um, the hoarfrost, you know, just seeing hoarfrost on both sides of the banks of a river, you know, first thing in the morning, and it's just glittering, mm. you know, with the clear water coming down. The water's very low in the winter, and so you have this clear, slow water coming down the river, and, uh, uh, you know, every now and then you'll, you'll, you'll see a deer or something kind of sneaking through the snow. It's just, it's uh what are those? It's amazing. Are they dippers? What are you, what are those birds? Oh yeah, are? the water oozels. The yeah. little yeah. there's a there's a, a bird that um, is a resident bird and and they jump into the water to find forage and uh, they will be they'll be out you know in 30 degree weather, hmm. getting into the water, dipping dipping their heads into the water to find little bugs and and uh, and worms to eat and they're very inspiring because they're just impervious to the cold apparently <laughs> mm-hmm. and the, the misanthropic part of me enjoys uh, 
going, say, up on the Logan River and, and pretty much having it to yourself. Right. Yeah. Uh, you may not catch a lot of fish, but definitely quiet, you know, freeze your fingers off, but yeah. uh, def- uh, definitely alone, too. So the, the winter would thin out the, the crowds. Definitely. Yeah. Not, could, could and see, not uh, so much as it used to, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. There, yeah, there, and, and, and uh, again, there's a passage in the book where, uh, where I point out that in the, in the springtime and the summer, um, you're more likely to see a bride in a wedding gown being photographed by her wedding photographer than you are to see a beaver or a moose up there. <laughs> but in the winter, that just changes. You yeah. know, it's just, you know, people vacate. They kind of see the, the river as dangerous, yeah. you know, sometimes. Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to follow up with that. With some, some rivers, and I, I could see this, at least the Logan River, where, where it's near the, the town, uh, would be pretty crowded. But I'm sure there are some places you can go. But uh, I'll ask you about some favorite places. We'll also talk about uh, the the fly that uh, Tim is tying here and uh, why some avid fly fishermen become avid entomologists. Like, there, there's an obvious connection. We'll talk about that and more following the break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the Shift Festival, October 7th through 10th in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, an in-depth exploration of the opportunities and challenges at the intersection of conservation and outdoor recreation, featuring food, films, speakers and workshops, and outdoor adventure. Details at shiftjh.org. The policemen sit me down and they said, well, your life was also threatened. We feel that you should not perform on stage tonight. This is Friday night. I'm headlining the Glastonbury Festival. There's like 100,000 people. No one's going to like shoot me on the Glastonbury stage under the peace sign. Join us next time for the Moth Radio Hour. True stories told live from the public radio exchange, PRX.org. Saturday night at 6 on Utah Public Radio. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. You'd be hard-pressed to find a pastime more emblematic of the Western spirit than fly fishing. It's been described as liberating, poetic, wild, soothing, and inspiring. And uh, we're talking with avid uh, uh, anglers and uh, authors Chad Van Zetten and Russ Beck, whose book is uh, called On Fly Fishing, the Northern Rockies, Essays and Dubious Advice. We also have with us Tim King, who is tying flies for us and uh, joining the uh, conversation. And uh, you're, you're welcome to join the conversation as well, if you'd like. 1-800-826-1495. What's your experience? Maybe you're a fly fisherman and like to chime in or just have always wondered about it. 1-800-826-1495. What's a uh, favorite place? We're going to talk to the gentleman about that as well. Or uh, upraxcess at gmail.com is our email, upraxcess at gmail.com. So, uh, Tim, tell me about the fly you just uh, tied while we were talking here. Uh, it, one of the beauties about fly tying is, uh, aside from the rules of actually binding materials to a hook, it's it's pretty much an, an open field. Uh, so you can mix and match, make up your own patterns, uh, play with it. Um, but as we were just talking in the previous segment, I tied what uh, I call a green-headed twister. Deer hair, long grizzly hackle, uh, hackle being feathers, chicken feathers, and some s- synthetic flash. Uh, you're only limited by your imagination. Mm-hmm. And, uh, right. And and the, the whole object is to attract a fish. Well. But, is that the whole object or not? The whole object for me is is 
therapeutic, tying okay. the actual fly. Uh-huh. It's, it's okay. daily therapy for me. And the beauty of fly fishing in general and fly tying in particular, it's different things to different people. Um, earlier we talked about uh, being driven and focused and, and relaxing afterwards. And for some people, going up on the river and not catching any fish at all, just being there and casting is relaxing. Um, That's what Russ always says. <laughs> I never say that. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, fly tying uh, for me is something I've been doing for 47 years, and uh, I love it. Mm. You know, the odds are a lot of the flies I tie never see the water, but that's beside the point for yeah. me. Therapeutic for you. Yes. Yeah. So you in the break you were telling me you were you're tying some flies for a friend who's going to fish the Amazon. Yes, and, and that's another example of uh, fishing vicariously. Yeah. You know, there are rod builders that will build graphite and split bamboo rods that uh, will fish once or twice a season, but their passion is building the rods that will then – travel the world and uh, hmm. fish through their eyes so what kind of fish is he going to be uh searching for in the amazon i'm imagining this, big fish I don't yeah know, or, they are uh, golden dorado and he, he sent me a youtube video of these impressive 20 to 40 pound fish so i'm using large 5-0 hooks uh, stainless steel hooks and lots of super glue to, to keep these flies together but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it's happening worldwide or it has been happening it's one of those sports that dates back hundreds if well hundreds of years for sure and possibly even farther yeah well and uh, some of these essays have biblical titles to them hmm. now you, you you used a couple of those russ what uh, what are you trying to convey there yeah, I don't know, honestly. Like, I, like, I, there's two things that I can't not write about in there. Well, three, actually. Uh, it's uh, spirituality or re- religion, fly fishing in my hometown. I, even though my hometown has no good water except for a couple of small ponds, I, I can't not write about it, um, even in a book about <laughs> fly fishing. Um, I don't know. I, I think I think there's fishing is so filled with metaphor uh, that it, it, I think it re- lends itself really well to religion. Uh, even, I mean, even the New Testament, we, we have, uh, you know, Jesus telling people to go be fishers of men. Uh, they, uh, and there's uh, other examples that some of his apostles were actually uh, anglers and different things like that. I, I don't know. It just seems really ripe. And maybe it is some of the stuff that you were talking about before this uh, meditative nature of it, the the release after that you have to sit back and think about what actually happened to to comprehend it. Uh, it just I think it just goes really well together, and mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not really sure why it does, yeah. but it does. So I want to follow up with this uh, the, the meditation afterwards. As we've learned, you <clears throat> you can't really meditate a whole lot during because of the, a lot of activity happening. But uh, and so this the simple minded. And perhaps slightly offensive version of this was what is there to meditate about? You, you know, you threw a line in the water, you caught a fish. I'm sure that's it's not as simple as that. No, not at all. I, I, I don't think um, I, I don't. It's you find what you want up there. You find what you need up there when you're fishing. It's different for everybody. Some people. We have a friend whose name is Brad, who we fished with a lot before he moved. And for Brad, it really was about the expertise and the technique and he's just an excellent angler he's 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 really he's a guide now he's working as a guide in montana and um 
and it was it was fascinating to watch him get better and learn these new techniques and 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 uh, improve so much that he passed you know other people who had taught him in yeah. skill and, and proficiency and um, that's what it was for him I think for for Russ it's it's something different you know he's finding what he needs up there and and if you went you would find what you needed up mm-hmm. there it's it's different for everybody like a lot like religion yeah you find what you need so Russ you say you've <clears throat> you've you've and, and you do a right to intersection between fly fishing and and religion maybe not intersection so much but you meditate upon upon religion for one example what 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 did you find that you needed in fishing um I don't know. I like I because I I think I'm pretty apathetic. It's weird because I think I'm pretty apathetic towards religion, but I but I I can't not write about it. And so I'm not sure why that connection is there. But maybe fishing in a way has taken over that that hole that was left. Um I think I, I think uh being outside is really important and fishing gave me an excuse to be outside. This is related, I promise, but it'll sound tangential at first. But uh, when I was in college, I I met a girl who said she loved to hike. And I said, well, what do you do? And she said, oh, we just go up and we kind of walk around and uh, drink water and come back. And and, and I said, and and you find joy in that. That's that's fun. And she said, yeah. And I I guess I grew up in a, again, in a small town where... uh, uh, my best friend and my extended family all had sheep, and we would go up and we'd move sheep occasionally up on the mountain and different things like that. And, and I was like, so you do that without the sheep. So what's the point? And I never really got it. And so fishing, in a way, gives me that thing to do up in the mountains that that is the other thing. And I, and I think <laughs> in order to – I don't even know if I'm going to make sense on this, but in order to – connect to whatever it is that's out there, you have to be distracted from it uh, and then approach it sideways. And uh, and I think fishing provides the necessary distraction to approach it sideways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're back in your car and you're thinking on your way back, you're like, oh, okay, so when I didn't catch that fish there, it made me think about my mother or something like that, you know? And uh, it's good. I don't know. It's something else it's tennis for me yeah so yeah it occurred to me that's that's good advice for tackling a lot of problems isn't it you get distracted from it approach it sideways approach it from a new new perspective yeah yeah and this this but it seems so absorbing you read this book and you get the impression that that you guys that's that's all you all you do i don't know if that's (laughs) it can you know it can can be very absorbing but it doesn't have to be okay that's that's the Mm -hmm. beauty um you can stop at your local Big box store on a on a western trip and grab uh, an outfit and run up on the local river and and have a blast and not catch anything and or you can be be completely consumed by gear and uh, it, it runs the gamut and it again it's different things to different people mm-hmm. but. Uh, I guess you don't have to be good to enjoy it. That's what I'm yeah. saying. I, I'm yeah. certainly evidence of that. I'm out of the three anglers here. I'm by far the worst. So right. Chad can testify to that. So. No, 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 no. He, he, he'll be polite here. Uh, so Tim, what did what did you find? What do you find? In be more fishing? specific. Tom. Um, so you know, Chad, you said you you find what you need. Right. Yes. Yeah. I. I, I know what I, I know what I get up there. Um, it's it's maybe a little bit harder to to 
you know, put into words easily, but, Mm -hmm. you know, there is, um, it is, it's a cleansing. It's a kind of a deep breath in between, um, between the other things that are going on in your life. And I think it was, um, Thomas McGuane who said that fly fishing is best when it's an escape from something else. Mm -hmm. There are people who are just completely, um, this is the lifestyle, you know, fly fishing is their life. It's what they do. Some people even do it as a, you know, as a, as their job, as a vocation. Um, I think fly fishing is best when it's it's an escape from everything else when it's something that you can do and and it's very metaphorical you go up into the canyon you kind of look back at everything else you look back and down at what's going on in your life and you know sometimes it helps you sort things out very true the the mm-hmm. deep breath really resonates with me uh uh, I find now, having done it as long as I have, uh, catching the fish is less important. Um, driving up into the, the canyon or, or uh, uh, the highway, wherever I'm going, I'll turn the radio off first thing, and I try not to drive too fast. And it, there's almost a preparation in my head to uh, get into into the the right frame of mind. Uh, and for me, I, honestly, catching fish is, is secondary. Um, but... Yeah. I want to turn to want to follow up on fly fishing and religion. I guess we could make a distinction between religion and spirituality, which I, I think a lot of people do these days. Um, you, was it you, Russ, who told your wife we can, you know, let's make a compromise? Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's tell us about your compromise. Well, uh, it was uh, – we – we met and uh, we, we were well. She was more religious than I was when we met, uh, and uh, and so we we made a compromise and we said, okay, so on Sundays we can either go to church or go up into the mountains, and you you get to make that choice. And uh, it, at first it was about equal, but eventually it pretty much just went to the mountains, and uh, yeah, and that kind of continues to today uh, <laughs> with never choosing church but uh <laughs> but like but yeah i mean uh it, it in a way i mean i i i guess i wrote about it but i don't think i realized it, it that that was a direct supplementation uh, or it supplemented uh the mountains and eventually fishing supplemented uh what i did on sundays mm-hmm. so so tell me about that especially from the perspective of your wife who was you said it was more religious than you when you when you started did, does she find what she needs I think she does. And spiritually up in the mountains? Yeah, I think she does. I think I, 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 she she spends less time in the mountains because she has a real job. Um, <laughs> and so than, than I do. But uh, she but I think she does, too. I think she she has a connection to to that land and place and uh, whatever it is. It, it's yeah, it's down there. So, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, so Tim, are you starting another fly here tell it what, what are you going to do uh this one's going to be a uh, uh soft tackle pattern soft tackles are a wet fly meaning it, it you fish it underwater you can't see it and uh it has significance particularly with some of the readings we've been doing i think it was russ that has a great story in the book on uh water witching or divining um and religion and faith. And religion mm-hmm. and faith. Yeah, you that's know, all I write about. I'm sorry. I'll all, apologize. All, <laughs> all those topics you expect to see in a fly fishing book. Sure. <laughs> um, but but this fly is is fished with faith because you can't see it. It's uh, has some. Uh, would you say? Uh, 
magical qualities. Metaphysical, yeah. Yeah, using using peacock curl. The the fibers from the tail of a peacock to many people are the holy grail of fly tying and obviously pretty easy to come by. But the iridescence, the dark greens and bronzes of that particular feather um, hold a lot of magical powers in some people's minds. And so I incorporate that material on this fly as well as some uh, soft tackle for my own chickens from Providence. So All right. Just to bring right. it down to earth. Yeah, very good. Well, so you'll be tying uh, that fly for us. Right. Uh, just to reset the scene, we're talking uh, with uh, Tim King, with Chad Van Zatten, and with Russ Beck. And uh, uh, Chad and Russ have uh, written uh, a book. It's out from... Uh, the History Press, it's called On Fly Fishing the Northern Rockies, Essays and Dubious Advice. Before we go to break, we'll be going to break uh, in a couple of minutes here. Russ, uh, maybe you could, uh, could you find quickly the, the essay that Tim just referenced? Uh, yeah. And uh, read us a bit of that. And while you're doing that, I want to uh, talk about uh, entomology. Some, Chad, some, some fly fishermen get big into entomology, the study of the insects, I guess, for obvious it's, reasons. Yes, yeah. So, yeah uh, to catch fish, you kind of have to know what the fish are eating and, and kind of imitate that. Um, and so you, you find yourself going to the internet and, and reading books about uh, what lives in the water and what it looks like and how to imitate it with a fly. And, and so you have this really specific and obscure information about a very narrow range of the insect world. And, but, uh, you know, like I couldn't tell you the Latin name of a ladybug, but, you know, I, I know, you know, the, the Latin, the, the scientific names of, of lots of creatures that live in, mm-hmm. in the water. Like Terranarsis californica, one of our favorite big stoneflies that hatches on the Blacksmith Fork River. You know, we're very interested in that, but, uh, you know, um, I don't know, beetles and, and bumblebees are you know, kind of a different story. <laughs> so I wonder, and I'm sure you get this question a lot, uh, it's it's a sport, and you're, it's man against fish. And I, I think there's a lot, reading the book, there's a lot of catch and release, but do you, you, you take fish and eat them as well? Sure, sometimes, yeah, usually when I'm camping, um, we'll keep a couple of fish, but uh, it's, when you're there to catch fish, keeping the fish is actually kind of an inconvenience. You know, you have to find a place to put it, and you have to clean it, and you have to keep it cool and, and so forth. So it's mostly catch and release. I, I would hesitate to say that it's, it's us against them. Um, you know, it's really a way to connect with that world. And it's unfortunately unfortunate that you have to harass the fish in order to do that. It's, it's a very man-centered, a human-centered um, activity. But it is a way to, to connect with it. And, and I think for most people when you start getting into fly fishing, um, it, it, it is about holding the fish, seeing the fish, catching the fish. That's part of it. But you'll also be drawn into activities like conservation and, um, you know, trying to give something back to, to the water that, that, that you're, you know, fishing. So, so the subsequent question uh, is if it's, you know, it's a bit of mischief that we're doing. <laughs> we're, yes. We're bothering the fish. Bother, absolutely bothering the fish. Also causing them pain? Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, um, it's that's that's a difficult that's a difficult uh, subject to approach, and I think that um, that there are a lot of people who object to any kind of you know uh, harassment, hunting certainly, and and, and fishing. Um, we do everything, absolutely everything, especially the conscientious angler does everything that he or she can to uh, to minimize that disruption in in the fish's uh, you know daily routine and. Um, and when you release a, a trout into the water and it, and it swims away um, uh, energetically, uh, you know, you kind of know that if I did hurt that fish, um, you know, he, he's, he's got a, a brain the, the size of a, of a kernel of rice and, and he's, he's going to maybe 
be better for it, and he'll certainly get over over this. Hmm. There's studies back and forth on this. I've seen confirming uh, both sides of it that fish feel no pain and fish feel pain. So mm-hmm. I just choose to believe the fish feel no pain <laughs> thing. So I guess you you would you would have to choose <laughs> yeah, that side yeah, right yeah. if you're out, out fishing. And I have broken uh, a fly off on a fish, and then. 10 minutes later caught that same fish with my fly in its mouth that had gone back to feeding so uh, that's yeah. cool wow yeah, that's really yeah. like russ yeah. said the, the jury is still out on that one okay and and chad i want to follow up to, uh, better for it fish is better for it why, why? <laughs> well you know um um just think of the, the story that 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 uh, that trout gets to tell when he when he gets back to his his wife. Okay, and, I see. And, <laughs> yeah, just that's what my father said when I was punished as a yeah. boy. You'd be better for it. I thought you were going to go to uh, well, maybe the fish learns a lesson, won't get caught the next time. No, we don't. I, I I've I've caught fish with the same fly over and over and over in the same place. I don't think okay. they're learning these flies, unfortunately. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. It's not a learning experience. All right, but as you said earlier, this is kind of a, I guess, a dichotomy that maybe eases the mind of people who would be against hunting and maybe against fishing yes. that uh you know hunters and anglers tend to at least be become more aware or sensitized to conservation issues that's right yeah that's right and and i i used to have an objection to hunting and until somebody stra- set me straight on that long ago when i was a kid that uh, hunting is actually an act you know it can be if managed well it's an act of conservation it's a, it's an act of thinning and and management and um, catch and release fishing is not necessarily a management tool, but again, if you're conscientious, if you care about the the, the natural resources that you're uh, utilizing to fish, you're going to get drawn into activities that helps to improve them. And you're certainly going to always pay for your permitting. You're never going to fish without a license, and you're going to join um, uh, um, uh, organizations like Trout Unlimited, mm-hmm. and and you know the typical thing, give something back. I think most anglers who who fish regularly have done more to conserve and improve the places where they fish than they have um, in, in the damage that they've done by by harassing a fish or stepping into a river. Mm-hmm. Definitely, the, the the equation is uh, is definitely in favor of the resource. Well, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll have uh, okay. Russ read that passage that we've referenced, and we'll talk more about the uh, fly that Tim is is tying right now. Um, just imagine him with his uh, fly tying apparatus. He's wrapping some, uh, looks like some yellow, yellowish green uh, thread around the, the hook. We'll see where he gets to following the break. What is a subject that you are passionate about? What do you know more about than most? Utah Public Radio wants you to share your knowledge and become a source for the Utah Public Insight Network, a new collaborative effort between UPR and the Salt Lake Tribune. Information you share could help our reporters create more in-depth stories on the things that you care about or more meaningful discussion on our flagship program, Access Utah. Become a source today. Join UPIN. For more information, visit us online at upr.org. In the land of drought, those with the water are kings. They control our destiny here. They really do. Uh, And they can dry this town up. I'm Kai Rizdahl. Farms in the desert in the middle of a drought. What could possibly go wrong? We'll have that and the rest of the day's business news as well next time on Marketplace from APM. That's tonight at 6.30 here on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We're talking about fly fishing. 
it's an iconic uh, sport in the West, but it's all over the world, and it's, of course, people have been fishing, maybe not fly fishing, for thousands of years, um, and we're talking uh, about a book, a new book out from the History Press. It's called On Fly Fishing, the Northern Rockies, Essays and Dubious Advice. As we go along here in the last segment, uh, we'll get into some of this uh, advice, which is uh, sort of, it's a little Yogi Berra-esque. Um, always tell the truth sometimes. And uh, this is this is more, I guess, be what some of the Yogi would say, all the fish are underwater. Uh, so we'll talk about that, some, uh, some dubious advice. Um, we're talking with uh, Russ Beck, Chad Van Zanten, authors of the book, and uh, Tim King is with us, avid fly fisherman. And he's tying. What, what are you tying again for us right now? This is a uh, peacock soft tackle. Okay. On the uh, Dybricky 135. There you go. <laughs> and the, this, this is the one that goes underwater, right? You have to, Correct. Have to fish on faith. Fish so. on faith and uh, hope and a promise. And so we're going to hear a bit of a passage sure. from, from this essay. Yeah, I've got uh, – this one might be – it's slightly longer than some of the other ones that we read, if that's okay. That's uh, fine. Um, and I, we just haven't plugged it yet. Can I plug what what we're doing on yes. Thursday? Okay. Yes. Uh, so tomorrow we're uh, reading at King's English at 7 p.m. Uh, this is an essay that uh, – this is from an essay that I'll probably read there. Okay. Uh, and you can come and see Tim Ty uh, live and uh, – and hear more essays. We also read stuff from uh, Richard Brodigan, who's a, a hero of all three of ours. Uh, and yeah, so uh, this is this is dealing specifically with uh, the the faith and fishing thing. And um, I'll just start here with a little prodding. Fly fishing can move past uh, just faith and fish production and into actual miracles. One of my favorite authors, Scott Carrier, talks about angling in his essay, The Test. This is the only place in which I've heard him mention fishing, and maybe it's because, as he says, talking about fishing is silly, like farting and tap dancing at the same time. Towards the end, uh, Carrier says, it was the fly rod, just holding the rod in my hand that cured me. Here is something I know is true. My, dad, my dad's family are known as witchers. In his compact truck behind the seat, he keeps two copper rods, about a, half a, uh, about a half a centimeter in diameter, bent into uppercase L's. He can walk around your property with the rods held parallel, lightly bouncing in his hands. When the rods clank together, he'll look up and tell you that if you want to find water, it's best to dig there directly beneath where the rods came together. I once asked him how it works. He said, I don't really know, it just does. Apparently, his dad could not only find water, but also tell people how far to dig to get it. The idea, of, uh, the idea of rivers flowing underground that are somehow summoned is something I really want to believe in. I dated a girl whose dad dug wells for a living. She said that uh, he used both hydrologists and witchers to find the water. One, uh, she said, was about as accurate and as expensive as the other. When dad picks a well spot, he tells the landowner what, what, that it probably won't work, that they should pr- definitely get a different opinion. He's, but he's never wrong. He does this only for people he knows and won't charge a fee because I think he's still surprised it actually works, and perhaps because it contradicts his line of work. He holds a PhD in chemistry. He consults for absorbent fees about carpet cleansers, antibacterial scrubs, and even alchemy. If he were to somehow buy into the mystical aspects of his witching, would he have to trade in his credentials and bloated paychecks? I've asked Dad to teach me how to witch, uh, but we've never gotten around to it. Personally, I don't think I have it in me. I'll stop there. So. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. I so, <laughs> just the witching. Yeah, and you know, and the the fact that uh, you can confirm this that with the people who have the gift, quote unquote. Yeah, they can actually find water. Yeah, and uh, a skeptic like my dad 
can find water, which is weird to me. Like he he, <laughs> I don't know that this is fair, uh, but I. It's hard for me to believe that he believes it, but it works. Uh, and uh, and I go on in that scene. Actually, he uh, he used to teach chemistry down at Snow College, and uh, they he had skeptical students and st- skeptical um, peers, and uh, he would go around and map the the water lines uh, on the campus just to show them, and he'd go with the the. Uh, guy in charge of the water lines, and he would confirm, "Yep, there's a water line right mm-hmm. there." You yeah. know, and it's 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 a weird thing, and I think that's like that. That to me is the metaphor of fishing and faith. Like, it shouldn't it shouldn't work, but it does. You know, it it, uh, it somehow produces something where nothing is, uh, and it's it's great. So. Yeah, and it, there is there is kind of a magical uh, aspect to it. You know, you put this hook. In a vice, you tie a bunch of feathers around it. It looks really weird. You can see how it resembles an insect, kind of. Uh, then you cast it out there, and a fish is on the line, and and, and there is kind of a, a an awe, you know, like wow, how did that happen? It really works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it works. Yeah, and it's endlessly, it's endlessly gratifying. Yeah. like it worked again, you know. Yeah, um, we, we've had an email from uh, our friend Steve in Beaverdam, Arizona. He says, "Will you post a photo of the tide fly on the UPR web or Facebook page?" So we'll we'll certainly do that. Oh, great! We'll, yeah. we'll do that. Uh, so, uh, Tim, tell me about this this uh, second fly that you've tied. Well, now that I learned they're going to be photographed, I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I, Steve, I didn't bring my uh, tying glasses today, so it's a little rough. But actually, sometimes as you use a fly and the fish chews on it, it becomes more effective. So uh, that's my cop out there. <laughs> but but like Russ said, uh, the this recent story, the story he just read on Faith, um, peacock hurl, a little bit of green sparkle synthetic, and a uh, a brown soft tackle wrapped around the front of the hook uh, from a Aracana chicken in Providence, Utah. So, um, again, the magic of, of mixing materials that uh, may follow a pattern or may be pulled out of thin air is uh, yeah. a lot of the fun. And then to take it up and find out it works. Um, yeah. And uh, there's some surprise there. I think it, well, is, is there's surprise, like, maybe not after a long time, but uh, no, there's still surprise. Yeah, <laughs> still surprise. There's at it's least nice. delight. There's at yeah. least a delight that's there. Yeah. That's like, oh, there's the fish. Yeah, yeah definitely. It never gets old. And and the this great fly that I've tied could uh, catch a whole bunch of fish one day and fish the next day and not even get a look. So right. that's the beauty, the unknown. Right. Yeah, the unpredictability. Uh, so Chad, I wonder if you'd uh, read another patch. Just choose sure. choose something you'd like to like to read oh gee okay. i want to ask uh, each of you about uh, place they're they're chad made a funny i think it was chad that made a funny reference to uh in the summertime you're more likely to see a bride getting photographed <laughs> the logan river uh than you are to to see another angler but in the wintertime that changes but uh i wonder about are there some places that are remote or close that really speak to you um, I'm hesitant because I don't want to see anglers anywhere <laughs> yeah. where I fish, but I, I, no uh, yeah, you don't want to give it away. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, but there are plenty of places. And actually like what I've tried to do recently is, um, reduce, uh, what, uh, Gerich, uh, calls, uh, windshield time, uh, meaning the, the time it takes you to get to the place. And I've tried to fish, uh, in very 
almost urban settings. Uh, well, urban for northern and northern Utah and southern Idaho. Uh, so I've I've uh, busted into the metropolis of Franklin, Idaho, a little bit and fished it right around that town. Mm-hmm. Uh, I fished right in Logan a little bit. Uh, I fished <laughs> right up. I may be trespassing on this one, so but I'll confess it. Uh, <laughs> I fished right out, uh, basically across the street from Herms Inn here in Logan, yeah. and uh, those those small, uh, really close places have been have been kind of fun for me to to try and fish, and yeah, mm-hmm. there's fish there too. So, and you get a real sense of the place if you're, you know, if you get out of the car. Yeah, it's yeah. The same uh, similar sensation that you get with biking or walking. Yeah. You, you get a different sense of the place by actually being there. You do. And even after uh, following or fishing a particular place over the years, you'll find every spring after a particularly heavy runoff that pools have changed, a new tree has gone down over here um, several years ago the lower Logan River was really altered by the uh, massive runoff, particularly the the uh, heavy freeze we had that that really scoured the river and changed some pools. And so it's, in some ways it's almost like learning a river over again. Yeah. But again, that's mm-hmm. part of the, the delight. Yeah, yeah. Chad, I wonder, did you have a passage? Uh, yeah, yeah. To read? Um, this is also from an essay that we'll read at the King. That, that I'll read at the King's English as, as Tim interprets it. Let me. Uh, uh, I, uh, I'm glad, uh, Russ. You mentioned the event because I've been neglecting that. So let me <laughs> say it again. Uh, King's English Bookshop in Salt Lake, Thursday night. Yep. Tomorrow night, uh, seven, seven o'clock. o'clock. Free. Free, uh, free, 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 free to, to all, to the public. And, and this is the this is the uh, you know another seminal performance of of our invention and in interpretive fly tying with Tim King. And Tim King is is a very important element in this. This is um, this is maybe a, a passage that will um, that uh, describes what's out there, what we're finding out there. Sometimes we don't even know that we're looking for it, but uh, but but it, it sort of approaches and, and you find it. This is a, 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 an essay about kind of a trip that went bad. It didn't go bad. It just didn't go well. And um, some there were some you know some misfortunes, and there weren't very many fish. And this this passage describes the end of that trip. Evening comes and it cools off. We return to the stream and split up to fish to refish various sections that performed poorly in the heat of the day. I've given up hope of a 50 fish day or even a 20 fish day. I go up the road a mile or so to a slow deep bend in the stream where we'd caught a few nice fish that morning. As I approach the river and find a good spot to begin, I see animals moving in the high grass at the bank. It's a herd of 20 or more bighorn sheep. They emerge from the grass and pass within 50 feet of me before climbing a rocky hillside. It's juveniles and ewes with horns that don't curl all the way around. Their orderly but slightly nervous procession reminds me of a grade school class during a fire drill. Sixty seconds later, they've climbed over the hill and are out of sight. I walk to the spot and stand there in the late overgrass where the little herd had been resting and drinking. They've left behind a faint animal odor. As I survey the water for rising fish, there are none, it occurs to me that all around me is silence, and I mean silence, no breeze or bird song. The low gradient stream makes no sound and there are no trucks moving along the dirt road. It stays this way for a long time. It's a rare and utterly welcome sensation, and it's where I wanted to end up all along. Mm-hmm. Excellent. You, you found what you needed up there, as you said before. Right, right, yeah. And sometimes it's, it, you're not aware of, of, of what you're going there for or what you're going to find. And in this trip, there, there weren't many fish, and there were some things that, 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 that you know, there was kind of a, 
a nasty cabin that we stayed in that wasn't very comfortable and and it was very hot and and uh but you know at the end of the day um you, you know you find what uh what you went up there for without knowing that that's what uh, what it was in the in the first place Good place to end it, and we're out of time, so we're ending here. Uh, we've been talking with Chad Van Zatten and Russ Beck, whose book is on fly fishing the Northern Rockies, Essays and Dubious Advice. You'll have to read the book to get the dubious advice, or you can attend the event, which is uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night at 7 o'clock, the King's English Bookshop. Uh, Russ and uh, Chad will be reading, and uh, Tim will be tying some flies. Tim uh, King has been with us. Thanks for coming in. Hey, what's up? I'm Shad, a.k.a. Shadrach Cabango, the host of Q. It's an intimate, provocative, and thoughtful take on culture. You'll hear conversations with legendary figures like Mavis Staples, as well as cultural pace-setters like producer and director Judd Apatow. We take on the full range of conversation, from technology to taboo, with tastemakers, noisemakers, and groundbreakers. We've got you covered. Get ready for Q, coming soon to Utah Public Radio. Tune in weekday afternoons at 1. The Body Mass Index, or BMI, is used all over the world to assess whether we're overweight or not. But does it tell us if we're healthy? I'm Mark Porter, a family doctor in the UK, and in Discovery, I'll be asking how the BMI was developed and whether it's really a useful measure. Friday at 2 here on Utah Public Radio. Access Utah is a production of Utah Public Radio. You can listen to this episode or previous episodes of Access Utah anytime at upr.org, where you can find a link to subscribe to our podcast. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM HD1 Logan. A service of the College of Humanities and Social Science at Utah State University, this is Utah Public Radio.